Welcome back to the Live, Learn, and Play podcast. We are here with Dr. Holland Bach for part two of our discussion about pediatric gynecology. Thank you for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit for the listeners who maybe didn't catch our part one, which you should catch. We talked about endometriosis and it was a very good episode. Tell us a little bit about what you do and how long you've been at Arkansas Children's. Sure. So I'm a pediatric and adolescent gynecologist, um, which essentially means I did training in obstetrics and gynecology and then did additional training for both like the medical care and surgical management of specifically pediatric and adolescent patients. Um, Cause really you don't get much of that training doing adult OBGYN care. Um, I've been here at Arkansas Children's now for eight years. So um, I love being here. And how many pediatric gynecologists are there in Arkansas? Um, there are two, um, so it's a pretty just two. So there are it's a pretty young field, um, and so um, certainly we're growing um, and hopefully training up um, medical students and residents to to join us in the future. Um, but yeah, at the time there's just two. Um, but again, it's it's a growing field in area of avid research, and so and we're excited both, to be part of it. They're both here. Both here, yes, both ma'am. Here at Arkansas and then we travel up to north northwest campus as well. Awesome. And why? should a parent choose pediatric gynecology? I think it kind of goes back to that adage that we think about a fair amount in the pediatric uh, healthcare world, which is that children aren't just small adults, and that's true for their reproductive needs as well. Um, their anatomy is different, and it's a different pre-puberty versus post-puberty. Um, their hormones are different, and they change, just like adults do, but in a different way. Um, their risk factors for certain um diseases, conditions are different and present differently. And so um, it's just really a different subset of medicine. And you also mentioned in our last podcast that they you kind of listen for different things from a, a child or teenager versus an adult who's already been through their period for quite a while. They talk to you a little bit differently. Right. So those puzzle pieces come through differently for them. Absolutely. Gynecology is not often associated with children. So what are some of the common things that you see in pediatric gynecology? At our institution, we will see patients ages from birth to age 22. Um, and then what we see commonly kind of varies by the age. So in younger patients, we see um, a lot of the developmental abnormalities of the reproductive tract, um, some of which may need like surgical correction. We see some skin conditions. Um, we'll see injuries um, and things such as that nature. Um, we diagnose and treat like early puberty and then like delayed puberty. And then once they're kind of more in their reproductive years, we um, help with um, menstrual related problems in terms of both bleeding and pain, um, ovarian cyst, endometriosis, like we talked about in the previous podcast. And then we work alongside a lot of our colleagues here at Children's. So for example, um, we work with oncology a fair amount to help to um, take care of those patients who may get treatments that may put their future fertility at risk to help to protect that and lots of other teams as well. So um, what can a patient or caregiver do to prepare for a, a gynecology appointment? Um, I think one of the main things is just to reassure the patient that we're here to make sure that they're healthy and they're safe, right? That's like the goal of the, the, of the thing, thing right. right? Absolutely. And then um, that to know that it may not be the same as what their visit is to their adult gynecologist. Um, we really do try to approach kids differently and to make the experience not something that creates fear, but rather creates trust. And so, um, you know, sometimes, you know, not telling them like, all these terrible things that may happen, you know, right. you know, as an adult, and don't necessarily happen as a kid. So just the reassurance that we're here just to make sure that they're healthy. 
Yeah. Uh, and do you allow parents in the room for these appointments? Yeah, absolutely. So um, not only allow, we encourage them to be there. Now, obviously, um, in our older patients, if they um, are having a sensitive exam and do want privacy or the, the parent doesn't want to be present, we offer that opportunity. Um, but we certainly encourage the parents to be there, especially as we're making decisions regarding treatments or, or care plans. And how is a pediatric gynecology appointment different from an adult one? You know, how do you bring the Arkansas children's, you know, vibe, can't think of another word, but how do you bring that into an appointment like this to ease the child's anxieties and fears? Sure. So, I mean, you know, obviously not everyone has a bad experience with a gynecologist, sure. so I hate to, Sorry, to paint I them all. Sorry, I brought some of my yeah, trauma into yeah, this. To villainize. But, the, um, but, you know, what we try to do specifically for our practice is, one, we try to we don't have patients get undressed until they meet us and talk with us, right? And they may never have to get undressed. So um, I would say actually the majority of our visits don't involve a pelvic exam. So some reassurance there, but you can keep your clothes on probably. And then if we do ultimately decide that we need to do an exam out of a sensitive area, then we talk through like what we're gonna do first, right? And so they know what to expect and then set clear rules for like, hey, if, if we need to stop or you want this or that, how you could tell us that and we can communicate so that you leave being like, okay, I got what I was expecting or what I needed out of that visit and not upset. Um, we also have excellent nurses who are very skilled in the art of distraction, right? Mm -hmm. So if we need toys or iPads or bubbles, we've got like all the tricks to help distract if we need to do that too. Petitioning so. for that at adult appointments as yeah. well, <laughs> like bubbles and iPads would be yeah. great. So, you know, I, I don't want to villainize gynecology, but yeah. I, I don't know many women who enjoy the appointments. You right. know, the jokes are out there on the Internet. Right. Do you feel like having kids start their appointments early like this with a pediatric gynecologist would lessen the anxiety that adult women end up having? You know, I think so. Getting um, used to it a little bit. Absolutely. I think it definitely does. I and mean, you mentioned earlier, it's not like a typical thing you think of in pediatric care as a gynecology appointment, but we kind of hope to change that narrative. So um, the recommendation is actually that for girls, that they have at least one appointment with the gynecologist or an in-depth conversation with their pediatrician about puberty administration between the ages of 13 to 15, um, just to make sure that things have gone normally, right? Especially if there's someone who's more private about that and then they just don't talk to anyone about it. You know, we may find that there's actually something that's not right and happening. So um, so establishing that care um, early um, is, I think, important. And then, again, I totally think that our patients, especially the ones that have seen us for years, go into their first adult appointment with a different mindset than um, those who have not gone before. So in that same vein, how can parents who may have some of that embarrassment talking about it and doing this, how can we get over those anxieties and fears of our own to make it more normal for our kids? I mean, we all have to learn, right? So we're all gonna learn the information one way or the other, right? And so I think it comes back to that idea of like, well, who do you want to be the one teaching your kids the information, right? And so I think if you, know, you want it to be you, then creating that safe space, right? So if you act like you're, not that it's easy, right? But if you act like you're really uncomfortable mm -hmm. or you really don't want to talk about something, right, then they're probably not going to come to you with it, right? right? Or if you redirect them to somebody else, then that's probably who they're going to go to or where they're going to go to the next time. So I think if you can kind of um, tuck away that, okay, don't freak out and, and, and then be <laughs> honest, right? Out. Like I, you know, I want to be honest with you. This is a hard thing for me to talk about, but I want to make sure you have good information, right? Mm -hmm. And then just, 
you know, like embracing that like honesty with them, right? Otherwise, yeah. if they if they feel like you're like trying to avoid it, well, then they're just gonna find it somewhere else. Yes. Oh man, <laughs> I better quit avoiding it then, right? <laughs> so, is there a perfect age to have the talk? Um, I mean, I think it's variable, right? Um, based off individual families, right? So, for example, we've talked a little bit before about um, in my family, there's three girls, right? And so the the youngest certainly has like learned things from her siblings, right? So she will probably have more information at a much younger age than the oldest did. Um, so I don't know that it's a perfect age because families and people are all different. Some kids are more open to questions and some are more quiet. Um, I think that knowing some of the normal times of things, right? So. Um, girls can start like breast or hair development as early as age seven or eight. So sometimes just posing that some of that stuff is normal helps to minimize them like, or other people making fun of kids at school or bullying, things like that. Um, I think that, and again, the talk is like evolution, right? It should be like an ongoing conversation from like what the early parts of puberty look like all the way through like sexual education, right? Which would may come at a much later age depending on the you stagger it based on the age, like age appropriate. Yeah, you can take it little, a little, little bit, <laughs> <Goodness>. right? <laughs> That's helpful. That's good. I feel better about it. Can be just staggered. That's good. So speaking of the talk, you recently had an event called Girlology, and that was sponsored by UAMS. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. We received a chancellor's grant. Um, through UAMS and then alongside our OBGYN department there and then Arkansas Children's, we um, did the program. So it was our first, it was really our second event, but first large scale event, so. I want you to tell me more about it, but first I wanna talk about the overwhelming response that we had to a picture of you and some of the other doctors from that event on social media. When is this happening? Where can I get info? Like so many people wanted to know and that really told me that there is a need for this type of event um, and where the moms are just like, please help me explain this to my kids. So I, I do want to recognize that because we, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. The, the comments were so many, so many. Tell me a little bit about what you did at that event and if you plan on hosting any others. Absolutely. So we, um, and really the idea came from just that, right? People asking me, because again, I have daughters that age, and so does um, Dr. Manning, my chairman, who, along with Dr. Stambo, my partner, we did the event together. Um, and people just asking, like, hey, do you guys do any kind of thing? Like, we may have something through our church, or they get this one lecture at school. Um, and so really this was geared to give, like, actual, like, medically accurate information, like, from a provider. Not that other stuff's inaccurate, but, like, from a different angle, from a medicine angle, just to talk about what's normal in puberty, right? And what do you, you know, um, kind of open up the conversation. And, and really that talk specifically just kind of went from, like, the very beginning of puberty up through like menstruation. And then, um, so that was kind of targeting that age, like eight to 13 year olds. Um, and it was a really great event. So then we also geared to try to make it fun and not torture. <laughs> so, um, so that hopefully um, they would you know tell their friends like, oh, actually it was great and encourage people to continue in the future. So, uh, you know, having the scientific side of it might be a little bit less nerve wracking for parents and having someone there to help you explain it while you are surrounded by balloons and things seems like it would be a little bit easier. Yeah. When you have like a uterus puppet, right, it's a lot easier to like talk. <laughs> it's like polka dotted and colorful. It's a lot more easy to like you learn the terms for the anatomy rather than like, you know, drawing something on a marker board or something right. like that. The puppet certainly brings an element of fun right. to it. 
and we're, you're doing that again. We will, yes, ma'am. So we um, we just have kind of like recovered from this first one yeah. and then are getting feedback from the participants as to like, how do we do better, right? Like what was good about this one? What do we want to do for the future? Um, and then kind of figuring out um, what that space looks like, right? Do we cont- Well, certainly I think planning to do two large scale events like what we did recently, where it's in like a large auditorium setting. And then is there opportunity to do smaller scale events? Um, and how does that, what does that look like? So. A lot of planning, but absolutely. the good news is they have a chance to catch it again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Within the next year, probably. It, it was a lot of fun for us too. It so. looked fun. It, it really did. And I was really, I was kicking myself for missing it because I was like, oh, that was my chance to help have someone help me with the talk. Like I could have done that. I think the, uh, I think the kids liked it too. I have to say that I was impressed that they, how much they were open. Cause we, it's kind of open forum where they can ask questions and it's interactive and they were really open and talked. And then, um, Dr. Manning's daughter said it wasn't too cringy. So I think <laughs> that that's like, like the best feedback the we best, can get. <laughs> you know, compliment from a preteen or teen is it wasn't that cringy. Absolutely. I mean, you can just pat yourself on the back, do the exact same thing again, and you're good to go, <laughs> right. right? It's like five out of five stars, right? Yeah, right. So. That is that's high praise. Well, it looks like a great event, and I'm looking forward to the next one, hoping I can be there. And we will keep our viewers abreast of when that is scheduled and let them know when they can attend. And thank you so much for joining us. I have one more question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you love about your job? The patients. Yeah. So some people, like, are like, you know, there's always comments about like, yeah, teenagers or girls are dramatic or it's, you know, that's such a hard age. And I don't know, I think it's like the most fun. I mean, I like the little kids. I like the babies, but um, I love seeing now that I've been here, I guess like this is my going into my ninth year of practice. You know, I've seen girls since they were like pre-pubertal now, like going into college, graduating college. And it's just really fun to like watch how they've evolved and grow into young adults. And so that's definitely my favorite. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you all for joining us. And if you have any questions for Dr. Hollenbach, you can leave them in the comments of this podcast and we'll try to address them soon.